Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good afternoon. It's time yet again for another episode of Never Punt, Comma, Never Parlay. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and alongside me, I have my friend and co-host, Douglas Farmer. Douglas, how's it going, man? It's going pretty well, Parker. You know, it's a short week in, in our lives, in everybody's lives, and we try to get everything done within those first three days. And I like to look at that as a good thing because come Thursday, the hay will be in the barn, whereas usually I'm not at that point until Friday at midnight. So I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm already anticipating just the holiest of all holy naps on Thursday afternoon. So going to be great for that. We'll grind a little bit and get there. Uh, Douglas, we are, of course, part of uh, the Hammer Network. We're hosted and sharing a YouTube channel with Hit the Books HQ. Remember, you can subscribe to all of that and get those uh, get those Condition Powers videos. Get a ton of good content. As college football winds down, you still got great NFL basketball, uh, hockey stuff all over there at the Hammer, too. So make sure you follow those guys as well. Make sure if you're here, uh, you go ahead and hit the like button. That helps us out a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know how the algorithm works, but I know that the more likes we get, the better it does for the show. So uh, hit that like button, button for us if you're uh, if you're here uh, and we can keep this thing rolling. That's that's the hope. Keep this thing rolling. And we want to keep it rolling, Parker, because I we went we went a quiet, not so quiet five and one last week. Uh, you you went with Coastal Carolina, and they did not. The Shana Clears did not do any any part of the job. That, in retrospect, I think was probably a look ahead moment we should have seen coming. They they're a win away from still being in the Sun Belt title game. We should have maybe looked at that a little bit beyond the numbers. But otherwise, five easy wins. My three games covered by an average of nine point three points including Wake Forest never even threatening to score double digits, which which made my life pretty easy on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I had a, a TCU didn't look back, and, and UNLV made me sweat a little bit, but ultimately came out on the right side there. So a solid week of handicapping all around here towards the end of the season. And Douglas, frankly, uh, you know, we're kind of here putting the cherry on top of a very profitable year. I believe we are uh, 39 and 30 on the year. So that's, that's what, uh, plus five and a half? 5.9 units? 5.9 units. And, you know, Parker, if you take out uh, one one uh, future that was kind of an in-season play, we are both 19 and 15, I believe, which is – I'm looking for bragging rights. And now as I say that out loud, I'm a little curious about my math. Let me go check the MP, MP page. I think it would be 39 and 30. I'm a little bit off on that. We are 39 and 29 if you take that out, which means you have a one-game lead on me. I will I get say. that back. I am intent. You are 20 and 14. I am 19 and 15. I will not go down without a fight. <laughs> Either way you cut it, though, both of those are profitable well north of that that break-even benchmark we need. So good to have that on a whole season, Douglas. I'm, I, I feel good about that here, given three plays a week, and those are going in the right direction uh, this season. We've got a couple more today and a couple more obviously for championship week and bowl season and so lots of lots of games left here but uh yeah we we, we got it we got a good thing going here uh 
let's recap a couple games from last week before we get into this week and get into our big games and we get into some futures that we've talked about. Uh, there's a surprising one, Douglas, that I had to not not double take, but triple take that it was still on the sheet given what's in my brain for this season. So we'll talk about that as well. But let's first get into a recap of some games and then we'll get to all the rest of the good stuff. Douglas, I regret um, – to I inform myself I don't regret that uh, you're now two and one in beer bets. We got, we got the Jason candle game. We got the, uh, Hey, we don't actually care about the Mac anymore game from <laughs> Toledo. there. very gross with Bowling Green. Uh, the heck of it is Douglas. I made a beer bet against my number, which is just how it always seems to go. And, uh, and it's still, it still didn't happen for me. So you're up two uh, to one. On the beer bets, you can you can um, go ahead and be up a game on on the season bets on what we do officially on the record. I will gladly sacrifice that game to have bragging rights on you here. And uh, but this is two and one, and that doesn't include that uh, we need you need UTEP to win a game. Well, you know, if I look at the did you really get beat that bad graph that one Parker Fleming put out yesterday? UTEP should have won this past weekend. UTEP played far better. I, I, I'm just grasping for straws. And then we also have a beer bet out there on the college football entrance, which which is going to come down to Texas probably. And that is something. I, yeah, I think I don't even know. I'm not even going to go back to the show and look at what terms I tried to negotiate on that. If Texas makes the playoff, given who we all picked, I'm taking the win on that beer bet, and that'll be the season. That'll be the season tiebreaker. We'll see about that. We'll see about that. Speaking of the playoff, I want to point out Georgia's evisceration of Tennessee. A very casual 38 to 10. Georgia didn't even flex to win that game by four possessions. Now Georgia is the favorite to win the college football playoff. Many books have Georgia and Michigan right at the same number. If they are different, Georgia has the lower odds, which is notable given the trend lines this season have been the exact opposite of that until about 10 days ago. Yeah, Michigan is uh, – it's, it's not that they've looked bad, but they certainly have cooled off a little bit here, uh, and obviously the off-field stuff probably affecting that as well. Um I mean, it, it's almost immaterial that they just kind of skated by Maryland because it doesn't matter. All they have to do is win this weekend and they're fine. Um, but they did, they did, they were never uncomfortable um, against Maryland, but it was annoying, I think is the way I'd say that. Annoying might be the appropriate word is as somebody with a Michigan future, I was never worried in that game. Uh, and not just because Michigan could probably afford to lose that and then beat Ohio State, beat Iowa, still be in the playoff. I was never worried they were going to lose. And a lot of times at this point in the year, that's the metric you have to hold. Um, November college football handicapping gets weird. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Sometimes it's simply, were you worried they were going to lose the game? And I was never worried about that. I was worried about Washington. I have those Pac-12 futures. They get by Oregon State 22 to 20. And another moment in the Parker Fleming, did you really get beat that bad graph? Washington kind of got beat that bad in the rain and still held on to pull that off. Yeah, um, I mean, Oregon State won that box score, I think is the way to say that. But Washington's had a couple of games this season. You can see them on this graph. They're all the way to the left there with a negative success rate. and um, All the way to the left, not, just short of Northwestern, and that is not a compare. Like, Northwestern's put together a wonderful season. You still know that that's not the comparison you want for a playoff contender. That's not how you want to be winning these games. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's easy to be like, Oh, Washington's fraudulent. I don't think they're fraudulent. I think they legitimately have something and if they're winning these games, they shouldn't. But um, I'm worried about the rematch with Oregon. I, I think that I've said and made statements that Oregon should be power rated and ranked above, uh, above Washington. And that'll all get sorted out here in a couple 
uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll have lots to say about that game. But well, um, not I necessarily. Guess... For the record, let's be very clear: Oregon's not assured of a berth in the Pac-12 title game because our, our our a podcast favorite, the Arizona Wildcats, have have won plenty of game, and it's it's not outlandish that Arizona could slip in. Yeah, the- theoretically, we need we need we need that to happen. So the rematch is not certain, um, and so we can uh, we can definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that happens. But um, I, I will say, I, I think that giving Washington the benefit of the doubt, saying, hey, they've got some moxie. They are they are winning games that they should be losing. Uh, and that in a team is a very impressive, uh, impressive thing. The other one uh, that, that was important for both of us for futures, I think just for me for futures, but it uh, didn't necessarily matter because Memphis plays Temple this weekend. SMU 38, Memphis 34, SMU basically in the AAC title game. Uh, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't 38, 34 close. That's great for the no, number, but uh, it, SMU was very much in control of that game. Memphis has had a negative success rate in I don't know six games this season that they've won. So uh, the the rent was due for the Tigers. It feels like I grabbed that drive chart, and I'm not sure Memphis had the ball in the second half with an opportunity to take the lead. To me, that is often a, a look at. Are you, again, are you in enough control? As a, Memphis tied the game at 21, SMU went four plays, 75 yards, took a touchdown lead. Memphis ties the game at 28, SMU two and a half minutes, field goal. Like SMU really just controlled that second half, never let it get out of hand, never had to worry. Which again, it's, it's, it's what you're looking for from those teams in November. It doesn't have to be game control anymore. It doesn't have to be massive success rate differences. It has to be win the football game. Survive in advance is all that you need. Speaking of survive in advance, talking about a future, how is App State still alive? How is this uh, zombie team still playing? I mean, they they really had a rough stretch there. That was what they lost four of six, but they have won four in a row, including wins, uh, dominant wins over Marshall and Georgia State, and then a pretty dang impressive win at JMU game day. They they eat that one out as well, and App State is sitting pretty heading into the last week of the season here against Georgia Southern. Is this the future you were referencing earlier that you were confused why it was still on the board at all? Yes. Uh, I was in our running show doc. I had two designations for the last few weeks of alive and dead and app state got a new designation of revived all Appalachian state needs to reach this unbelt title game is for JMU to beat coastal. James Madison is favored by nine for Appalachian state to beat Georgia Southern Appalachian state is favored by eight and a half. It should make the sunbelt title game, which is going to be absurd and delightful. We both have that at seven to one. We both made that a full play. And I have Troy, who's already clinched a spot in the Sun Belt title game at three and a half to one with also a full play. So I am coming in here. I might have a chance at a guaranteed payday in that Sun Belt title. Yeah, uh, that which is uh, certainly a nice position to be. Um, yeah, the math is a little bit weird here because don't they need. They have to lose. Speak they up have loud. to win. Yeah, I should talk this out loud because we're online. Okay, they need to be Georgia Southern. Correct, and they're eight-and-a-half-point favorites. And they need James Coastal. Madison to beat Coastal Carolina. 
But then James Madison seven and one in the James conference. Madison isn't eligible for James the Madison can't go. There it is. I'm so dumb. Okay, there oh, it is. Parker, Sorry, I was Parker. We, I was, we I was spent still far stuck. too many ideas been, and hours the last few weeks on James Madison. James it's Madison. been Parker. it's been a long week. It's been a long week, and it's I was still Tuesday, living in a world London. where the NCAA is a functioning entity that allows us to do normal things like, I don't know, play in the championship if you're winning your conference and the best team. So you're right. Okay. So need, need that to need that to happen this weekend. They need a little bit of help, but certainly doable there. So nice to have that revived. Um, uh, how are we doing in the other conferences with some of those futures that we took? Douglas? Uh, you, you, uh, we both lost Nebraska and for you, that's getting to be a little dicey because you don't, I didn't have... lose Nebraska. Nebraska lost it for me. I did no losing there. Nebraska did all of the you, losing. You still you. know where Nebraska is. <laughs> uh, you have these flyers in Oklahoma state in the Louisville, but they were flyers. So they're not going to propel you toward a profit items that could propel you to propel you toward profit are at Plancher state to win the Sun Belt or, Alabama and Texas making the playoff effectively because I'm saying Alabama wins the SEC and they make the playoff. So you're still still hoping. Uh, that's your best chance. Whereas I am still sitting on four conferences, including two in the Sun Belt. So five good futures, Oklahoma State as a flyer, and that Michigan college football playoff title. Uh, I, I'm not ready to say I'm going to turn a profit on my futures, but Things would have to go all against me for me not to at this point. Yeah, no, well, that's uh, that's that's nice. Certainly, hope for that I get the chaos. Hopefully, uh, that you get uh, you get uh, just some of the normalcy in your in your favor, and those can work together, and we could both get well, into the positive. To be there. clear, but, with mine, it's Air Force would be an underdog, UTSA would be an underdog, Washington would be an underdog, but none of them would be huge underdogs, and I need one or two of them plus the Sun Belt. I need one or two yeah. of them plus Michigan. That's where or Oklahoma State. That's where I'm well set up. The area you really need to worry about is the win totals. Let's start with the the possibility that is still on top of this sheet that we have reached the final week of the season and the North Carolina fighting Gene Chizik's have only eight wins. Uh, It's still in play. I feel validated alone that it's still in play because for a minute there, it looked like it was absolutely going to get blown out of the water. Were they six and oh, seven? Like they, they, this is where the coaching matters. This is where the depth matters on that side of the ball um, is that, that look, they took maybe a step forward. We were saying, Hey, maybe they're good. No, uh, we're, we're seeing some of the issues here. Um, and I, 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 I don't love North. Let me, let me give me your thoughts on North Carolina. Let me pull up where I have North Carolina in my stats really quickly. Cause I'd love to see where their defense has fallen to. My thoughts on North Carolina are less about this season and more about the Mac Brown program. You had, if not the greatest quarterback in recent North Carolina history, you had two consecutive dynamic quarterbacks at this program in Sam Howell and Drake May. And because you hired Gene, Ch- former Auburn national title winning head coach Gene Chizik to lead your defense, you accomplished effectively nothing with Sam Howell and Drake May. And that to me is a, a damning indictment of Mac Brown and where this program is in in my opinion, that it has no idea where it's going. You couldn't get it done now. What's what's next, Mac? Like, there's no succession plan behind him. I, I think this program is really on on a cliff's edge here, and it could fall, which I don't want. But like, if they don't, they couldn't do it now. And Mac Brown is how old? And Gene Chizik is the most likely successor. It, look, it could get dark, man. Um, 
Yeah, they're down to 54th in defensive uh, EPA per play when you adjust it for just for opponent, and you um, weight that for more recently. So yeah, it's getting it's getting not great. 61st in defensive success rate, 94th in rushing success rate allowed. It's not great on the defensive side of the ball. I've actually got them as a three-point dog to NC State this weekend. Which is also the spread. So your number is right on this point there. Overall in win totals, uh, that's the Vegas biggest Vegas hire me. I'm setting, I'm setting these lines. Vegas don't hire him. He doesn't need the ego boost. Uh, <laughs> overall, the win totals, you are headed toward the if, – if this weekend breaks as projected, negative 2.25. Whereas if you include my misguided USC pick earlier in the season at Notre Dame, which was a future, I am headed toward a positive 1.12. So futures whoa, whoa, have you got you. To, you got to include that one. Yeah. You know, I, know, I, I did. I, I did. I did. Okay, oh, okay. I, I would be 2.12. 1.2 is with it. Okay, 1.12. Right. So I've got you on futures most likely. I've got you on win totals most likely. I've got you on beer bets. I am going to make up that game on our weekly picks, Parker. So help me God, I'm coming for you. <laughs> we'll certainly see how that goes. Douglas, uh, a, a really big slate of games. Let's get into some of these because I want to spend some time on the, uh, uh, I mean, a, a stacked slate and then some really fun picks as well. I went weird on picks. So maybe I'm going to regret this strategy and we look at the records at the end of the season. But as a I was just feeling myself. World, so. You didn't go as weird as you told me you were going to. No, but lines move. So when I texted you what I was going to do, the lines move since then. So I, I'm a good, Douglas, I'm a good better. And what do I do? I shop and I watch the lines move and I look around. It's almost don't like make plays you know, just because I said I was going to. You know, the easiest way to improve as a sports better is to use multiple sports books and always get the best odds. You, for example, use an odds comparison tool like BetStamp. BetStamp compares odds across every sports book for games, futures, player props. It saved Parker time and money because he checked BetStamp before he put in his picks today. Download the app. Go to betstamp.app slash hit the books. Should be a link in the description, a link in the show description, a link on whatever your via audio listening program is. And on top of that, when Parker and I get to our picks here, we're going to specify some sports books. I know on one of his, I had to make sure he knew to use Caesars because those were the best odds. And that's why Parker keeps pointing at that QR code way over yonder. Because when we specify that, you can scan it. You're going to go to a sign-up page and be able to get that number at those books as quickly as possible. This is how you improve as a sports better, along with listening to Parker's always insightful numbers and my somewhat insightful ramblings. Absolutely. Let's get into some of the previews here on Never Punt, Never Parlay. Douglas, Thanksgiving tradition, one of the most wild college football games year in and year out. Ole Miss travels to Mississippi State. The Rebels uh, are a minus 10-point favorite on uh, the road. 55.5 is the total here. I know I'm going to be watching this game, and uh, I, I have some belief that the University of Mississippi is the much better team. Douglas, what are you thinking about this one? I think much better is putting it lightly, and it's it's terrifying to bet a double-digit spread in this chaotic rivalry. Like this, this, this one is the epitome of – we joke about Bedlam that anything can happen. In there, we're referencing the scoreboard. Here, like literally anything can happen on the field. We've seen it. We've seen coach both coaches get fired because of the result. I am afraid of betting a double-digit spread, but I, I am inclined to go with Mississippi without any second-guessing. The Mississippi State program is, is just – it's the season's over. You might get up for this rivalry, but will you get up enough? I'm not so sure. Yep, definitely hard, especially interim coach, knowing that you're not going to get the job, knowing there's someone else coming in. We'll see what it looks like. And knowing that I I don't think 
Lane Kiffin's going to take the AM job. So it'd be nice for him to, uh, you know, went, went out here and, and, and kind of put on display who is the superior. Let's, broker. let's not, let's not have that. Let's move. Let's yeah. just, let's just let that sit and keep a, moving a on. I'm big okay. game, yeah. a big game Friday afternoon. And I'm not talking about Nebraska uh, beating Iowa. Uh, UTSA Tulane is an AAC semifinal. Without any other way of phrasing it, it is that Tulane is a home favorite by a field goal and a hook, and I have that UTSA future, so I'm I'm sitting this out. I uh, There were a few occasions this week when I was looking at numbers where I thought, should I try to hedge out? And I think I'm just going to sit all of them out and hope that two of the four come through for me, and, and that's good enough. In this instance, if UTSA was favored, maybe I would hedge by taking the points on the other side. But as an underdog, I just need to sit it out. That makes sense. Good little bit of strategy there. Are we talking enough about what Jeff Trailer and UTSA have done? Jumping up a level, effectively moving into the American right there at the top. I believe, uh, this is, I believe oh. somebody around these parts was talking about that exact concept in August, which is why this number is in our futures profile. They had just been too consistently winning for this jump up to have been that much of a leap, especially when you realize the competition they had at Conference USA that was a good stretch for CUSA, was on par, the top part of the league, the top most part of the league with what they're facing right now in the AAC. Yeah, that's, I don't know, this is weird offseason wonkiness, but it really did feel like the 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 CUSA last year, the distribution of teams was very, very wide. So the mean was much lower than the AAC, but that top level, I think you're totally right. There's a ton of overlap there and we're, we're seeing that borne out here with UTSA. I have them power rated, uh, not power rated, 74th in EPA per play margin. Uh, Tulane is 70th in EPA per play margin. So this is a lot closer um, than than I think the numbers might even suggest. Two things that, that have me here that I'm interested in. Douglas, I'd actually lean towards an over here, but this one moved a little bit for me. Um, was this, was this, GSAs? no, you said you leaned over. No, I was going to take, not. yeah, so I was going to take an under, but I was leaning over on this and I was thinking about this today, but it moved away from me. Uh, I believe it was 52 at some places. Um, but... Uh, it is UTSA is 64th in passing offense. Tulane's defense, 97th in passing defense. Tulane's offense, 23rd in passing. UTSA's defense, 70th in passing. There's going to be some points. Uh, so so watch that line. If it's if it's under that key number, uh, I'd, I'd be uh, interested in going over there because I think that there, there's going to be a lot of passing here. But this one is just, again, good football this weekend. Love to see Douglas that it's on ABC. Love that. Uh, it's going to be a nice way to spend Friday afternoon. Um, I plan on taking it easy Thursday and maybe I, I have a tradition of always having a few fingers of my favorite rum during the egg bowl. But as long as that's all I have, I should be in prime viewing shape for this AAC semifinal. And of course, these games that we like so much are the appetizer, the prelude, the trailers to the game on Saturday afternoon. We've already got Scott Young in the chat saying exactly what you'd expect an Ohio State fan to be saying. Parker, Ohio State at Michigan. Michigan is down to a field goal favorite at noon Eastern on Fox on Saturday. This may as well be a college football playoff quarterfinal. I'm going to go ahead and say this is a college football playoff quarterfinal. Well, it matters this year. Next year, it won't matter because both of these teams will make a 12-team expanded playoff. So, uh, you know, the, the the regular once that happens, Douglas, I've been reliably informed that regular season games and conference championships will no longer matter because both of these teams will have a chance to the playoffs. So RIP to the college football regular season. It was nice while it lasted. Let's, 
uh, but it's but it's going to be gone. I want to double down on your point right there. So you're telling me that things like Farmageddon won't matter, or Georgia playing Georgia Tech won't matter, or South Carolina Clemson won't matter, or North Carolina North Carolina State won't matter, or Wisconsin Minnesota won't matter, or Arizona leave, leave the trophies at home, leave them at home. Doesn't the rivalries matter. are what make college football. This is the core tenet of why Parker and I get up in the morning, and no 12 team playoff will ever rob us of that. But anyway, let's go back to Ohio State, Michigan. What are you thinking on this? This is another one that I am inclined to sit out because I have such a nice position on Michigan in the futures. Yes. Okay. Well, one very interested in the uh, in the over because I feel like there's a lot of offense left on the table from both of these teams where they've played bad teams, not had to do too much. We've seen Michigan just hand it off literally 15 times in a row and run over people. Interested to see how that passing game flushes out. Michigan rushing seven. Point, uh, 2.2 percentage points more than the average team. Both defenses are getting rushed against at a very high rate. Ohio State 4.1 rush rate over expected against Michigan 7.2 rush rate over expected against. So where the passing offense is going to be, I'm interested to see them. I think we'll see them on display here. Douglas, this is one where I'm torn because the numbers, I have Michigan by six. They're the home team. They've been dominant. They've been controlled all season. My heart wants to bet Ohio State here with the situation, with the offseason nonsense, with the best player on the field and Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I want to bet Ohio State with my heart, but the numbers say Michigan. I, I, I'm just I'm torn. I'm a mess. Um, I was honestly expecting more off field noise the last two days, and there hasn't been any which leads me to think holiday week. Everybody involved is already taken off until December. I mean, that is probably why they accepted the suspension and they accepted the resignation and they fired the guy and did all that to say, like, let's get out in front of it. And because, you know, Ohio State and the Big Ten wanted to drag this into Thanksgiving week. They wanted it to be as long and messy as possible. Maybe not the Big Ten. That's too conspiratorial. At least Ohio State wanted it to. Well, Ohio State has been notably quiet. We shouldn't go down that rabbit hole. And Ohio State has been notably quiet throughout this entire process. Ohio State has been suspiciously <laughs> silent in this entire <laughs> process. But let's not go down that rabbit hole or up into that sky. Uh, Ohio State's I didn't frame Michigan t-shirt is raising a lot of questions that should already be answered by the t-shirt. The Ohio State, <laughs> I, had, I have no idea how to recognize someone as uh, stealing signals t-shirt is saying a lot of things. <laughs> um, that said, I, I thought Michigan would have some more headlines to deal with this week, and there haven't been any. Just because they accept that uh, those penalties doesn't mean there wouldn't be more hullabaloo, and there hasn't been, and I think that I think that week of relative calm could be enough to help settle this a little bit. And this number also might be an overreaction to Maryland being vaguely competitive. Like it was not a real, like it was never a worry as we discussed earlier. If I were going to play this, I'd be inclined to go with Michigan, but I worry that is my futures bias playing in, which is another reason I want to sit it out because I, I, if I'm not sure how much of that thinking is my bias, I need to just remove myself entirely. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense, and I'm inclined uh, to be the same there and try to restrain myself a little bit. All right, Douglas, 27 minutes into this show, which is uh, almost almost two thirds of the show. Perfect timing, right here. I, I, Let's get into some of these picks. We've got a couple um, here. We've got actually more than a couple. We've got uh, uh, three each, like we do every week. Uh, about half a dozen, uh, six and one, as as some might say, but. Uh, Douglas, kick us off. You're going to go to a rivalry game. Speaking of rivalries, where, where are you starting out here? 
And you know, you say that I is it the Commonwealth Cup? Is that is that what we refer to Louisville, Kentucky as Louisville hosting Kentucky? Louisville is a touchdown favorite. And look, rivalry games are are a are what we love. They are a core piece of the sport. But sometimes a team isn't going to show up because they've they've already mailed in the season. And I think Kentucky's in that boat. And on the other side of the ball, while the injury to Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis is terrible and I hate it and I wish it had not occurred, I think it helps Louisville this week. Louisville suddenly realizes their playoff hopes are not simply a pipe dream. It's not like they have to spring this massive upset in the ACC title game. They have to spring a reasonable upset in the ACC title game, but they also have to win this week. Previously, I would have said, oh, Louisville's just going to go to the ACC title game, try to pull it off, and they might overlook this week. But now they need to put together both because they have a viable chance at the playoff. So I'm taking Louisville favored by that touchdown, widely available at neg 110, taking Louisville favored by those seven points because I think the motivation aspects on both sides of the ball are going in that direction. Kentucky's mailing it in, and Louisville suddenly has reason to heavily focus. Yeah, Um Douglas, my number for this game is Louisville by 11. And there you have it, folks. We're dumped for the day. This is the game. I'm going to catch Parker in the season standings. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's a lot there. This is team 16 versus 39 for me. So uh makes a sense. The motivation gap is different. And yeah, Louisville with the most look what I found playoff backdoor, I think that anyone might ever be able to have this season. Um, just absolutely absurd. Great job by Jeff Brom. And we knew that defensive front was nasty. So good to see them uh, take advantage of the situation. Is I, I think how I would say that diplomatically. Now we go to you and you're like, all season, we have both said repeatedly that I don't bet totals. I know where I'm weak or I'm winning on totals this year because I bet them so rarely. And here comes Parker Fleming to close the year with unders and unders. Here's the thing. The Baylor Bears are a bad football team. Clip it. <laughs> it's just what we know. And I don't trust West Virginia enough to cover the spread. I don't like it. They 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 give here's 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 the most zoomer thing I'll ever say. West Virginia gives me the ick. I don't like it. I don't like the I don't like their vibes. I don't trust them at all. But there's no way that Baylor and West Virginia are going to combine for 56 points. Um, I'm going to go with an under here, minus 111 at Bet Rivers. This is offense 66 and offense 33 here. Um, but both teams are rushing so much. West Virginia, 126 in rush rate over expected. Baylor is uh, 70th here. So a lot of running here. Not a lot of explosives on Baylor's side. I mean, I mean West Virginia could beat them 40 to three and we're still covered. Uh, we're, we're, we're still getting the under here. So uh, I, I really don't know that this game is going to work itself out. Not, neither team, West Virginia, a tiny shot, little shot, theoretically still real. Um, if I'm absolutely not, chaos happens, but I'm I don't want to get into the, nope. the tiebreakers, whatever. Uh, they're out of it for all. For those who are unaware, purposes. the big 12 conference championship tiebreakers at this point would be, I've, I've read books of the Bible that are shorter and more to the point than that situation at the moment. It's a disaster. But all that to say, West Virginia's not thinking about that. They're thinking about getting a win, a win here. Uh, Baylor's offense, uh, you know, just, just been worse and worse. The vibes are very bad. I do believe that they are waiting until a certain day for a certain number to come down substantially to potentially address the future of their program. They, I, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say the Q word. I'm going to invoke it. They quit against TCU. 
They just weren't running. There's a couple highlights. They just weren't running. They just didn't want it. And you can't blame them. It's been an awful season. They're an awful football team and, and not a lot of direction there. So uh, some changes on the horizon for Baylor here. 91st of EPA per play margin. West Virginia wins this comfortably. West Virginia could score, win this by, you know, double digits. And and I don't think Baylor's going to score enough for this to go over. So I'm going to take an under 56 for Baylor and West Virginia. Did you say West Virginia has the 126th offense in rush rate over expected? Yes. So that is 126 out of 130 if you remove the service academies. Yes. Okay. So that, yeah, they're the eight touchdowns in that game is going to be tough to come by. I, I see that yep. very just, simple piece of logic right out of the gates. Don't know where they, I don't know where they come from. Yeah. So I'm going to take the under here. Uh, you are taking an under because of a run based offense and in a similar, just fundamentals of college football gambling, I'm taking a touchdown spread in my next game because of the difference on the trenches. Clemson's defensive line is Clemson's defensive line. We know that. It creates pressure on more than a third of court opposing dropbacks. And it's going against an offensive line that, to flashback to week one, made North Carolina's defensive line look good. Not okay, look good. Nine sacks, right, in that it, game? It was, it was such a performance that you okay. and I came on this show that is recorded and kept on the internet created by Al Gore. And we said things like, maybe Gene Chizik fixed his defense. And now we're sitting here laughing at Gene Chizik because that's the way the world should be. That's how bad South Carolina's offensive line is. And it gets made worse by Spencer Rattler, who turns too many pressures into sacks. That alone, you know how I feel about sacks having some of the same uh, impact as turnovers, that's going to tilt this game toward Clemson, favored by only a touchdown, neg 110 at Caesars. I'm going to take Clemson, and I haven't even gotten into the revenge aspect that is very much a reality because if you remember, South Carolina, maybe, maybe not, maybe, probably, almost certainly with the help of Michigan, upset Clemson last year, keeping Clemson out of the playoffs. Yes, I uh, okay. I'm a little bit of a, a South Carolina hater. I don't, I don't know. I don't love the Beaver Ball stuff. I think you should try to play offense and defense good. But I will say they had two of the funniest wins in college football history last year, um, with with Tennessee and with Clemson. I mean, just absolutely absurd, hilarious. And we now know, yes, Michigan may or may not, almost certainly did, probably, yes. probably pass along signals to South Carolina to knock those two teams out of the playoffs. Spencer Rattler has taken 10 or fewer than 10 pressures in two games this year. Not sacks, just pressures. Been pressured fewer than 10 times. Furman and Vanderbilt. Um, He converts pressures to sacks at a rate of 22.6. That's not great. That's that's really not what you want to see. I think that it could be a long day if they can disrupt him. I think Clemson has the athletes on defense to do that. So totally get this one here. Um, fine, fine betting against South Carolina. The only part of that spot. that surprises me is that if Gene Chizik's defensive line could create such havoc on South Carolina's offensive line, I'm surprised Gene Chizik's son, who's a defensive back at Furman, could not create such havoc on Spencer Rattler in that game. Speaking of knowing signs, yeah, what are we doing here? Why don't you pass an info, pops? Um, all right, I've got uh, I've got another one here. Again, I'm going to take a total. Um, speaking of hilarious losses, the Auburn Tigers lost last week, uh, to New Mexico state. They paid $1.8 million to do so. It is not what I would have done if I was trying to, they paid $1.8 million to lose by more than they were favored by. Yes. Um, disaster, just absolute disaster 
But eternity begins anew each week, and it's a rivalry game, and it's Hugh Freeze. So I'm not going to bet on Auburn. Not going to do it. I'm too scared. I'm a coward. But what I am going to bet on is that one of two things happens in this game. Here are the two outcomes. One of them is Alabama punches Auburn in the face in the first quarter and then sits and just cruises and stays healthy, and it is 17-3, to and we don't think about it. Or Auburn fights for their gosh dang lives and we're going to get like a 20 to 21, 22 to 21 down to the last wire, absolute scrap fest. And I think in both of those situations, we're going to hit an under 49 here. I've got this projected uh, just short, uh, just short of 49. And looking at the pace of both of these offenses, looking at the game script of, of what possibly could happen, the incentives for Alabama to get up early and sit on a lead, uh, I, I really don't think that Auburn has the wheelhouse to, to get into a shootout. And so it kind of binds the possibility of a shootout because if Alabama gets up, they'll just sit for a little bit there. So uh, I'm going to go under in this game. I'm not going to bet on or against Hugh Freeze in this spot, but I am going to bet on this being an under game, this being uh, something where, like I said, either Alabama gets up early and cruises or Auburn is scrappy and it takes an Alabama, you know, last minute drive to just get over the hump at a low scoring game. Give me the under 49. That's minus 110 at Caesars. I was not expecting to like that handicap as much as I did. Uh, both those possible game clip, states. Clip that. Shoot. <laughs> both those possible game states are things that Tommy Reese is well versed in. He he is used to at Notre Dame when they would face Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama and be at a talent deficit to slowing the game down, trying to shorten it. And if Alabama punches Auburn in the face right out of the gates in a counterintuitive way, he's going to go back to that, shorten the game and get out of it. Well, or if it's a tight game, he he and and I'm not trying to make this as a direct comparison. It's a, a parallel, if anything. Steve Sarkeesian is very good at using first quarter drives, first quarter plays to set up third quarter plays. It is why he is such a good play caller. Tommy Reese has more of that in him than people give him credit for. So if he sees this is going to become a game, he will be ripe to sacrifice a possession or two in the first half for a kill shot in the second half, which also plays to an underthought. I I see where you're coming from there, Parker. Both ideas of that gameplay should work very well. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 again, I don't bet totals often, but I just saw these two and thought, you know what? Let's go with an under. Let's go Thanksgiving. I'm going to be sleepy anyway, eating a lot of turkey. I want to root for the root for the under. On a complete tangent, ham has more tryptophan per ounce than turkey does. So if you really want that Thanksgiving nap, eat some ham, not turkey. On a completely unrelated note, we will go back to college football. And I am taking one more rivalry game. I do not know the nickname for this rivalry game. I think the winner of it should be called Louisiana for the next year. And the loser of it has to go by their uh, city name, be it Lafayette or Monroe. That is not the reality. That's just my personal belief. I don't know why this game is within two touchdowns. Similar to last week when I asked, why is Kent state within two touchdowns of anybody? Why is Louisiana Monroe within two touchdowns of anybody? This game should be close to 20 points, not simply 12. Why Louisiana, AKA Louisiana Lafayette is favored by only 12 
baffles me. You can get that at neg 110 at Caesars. That's just the simple numbers aspect. This game should be closer to three possessions. Now you add in the fact that Louisiana Lafayette is five and six. A win here makes them bowl eligible. And head coach Michael DeSamoro, that I butchered that last name and I apologize, I'm rambling, desperately needs this win. He went six and six last regular season, four and four in the Sun Belt. This year he can also go six and six, but he'd be at best three and five in the Sun Belt. You need to get to a bowl game to have this season be at least comparable, if not better, a bowl game win would make it arguably better than last season. And he needs to show that kind of progress because it hasn't been great at maintaining Billy Napier's program. I'm on Louisiana by 12. I don't understand why this number is so low. Uh, that makes a, a, a lot of sense to me, Douglas. I'm reliably informed. I just texted my dad live on air and said, hey, is there a name for this game? And he said, I've never heard of one. Uh, but I have Googled and been told it's Battle of the Bayou, which sounds like something that college administrators came up with to try and brand and include fan engagement. It, it, it sounds like uh, my, Battle of the Bayou brought to you by name some boat company. Yep. So my dad, knowing the region, I'm going to trust him and say this is not a named rivalry. If you're in the comments here and and uh, know uh, a little bit more about that, uh, please feel free to correct me there. But I'm not going to sell it to the corporate sponsors and, and call it that. Um, you mentioned that you weren't sure how this line was as close as it is. I, my third and final pick. Say, I'm, I'm terrified you're going to come at me and say you have this at nine or something. I don't know if you have that right now. Maybe you'll oh, have yeah, here. week. I'm terrified of that. Let me see what I've got right here. I can pull it up live. Louisiana Monroe has a dash in it. Uh, I've got this at 16. No, you're fine. Good pick. Good pick. <laughs> Speaking, though, of games where um, I just I kind of scratched my head here. Douglas, I, I would not have Middle Tennessee State favored. Um I don't, I don't really like Middle Tennessee State favored uh, at, at all, and uh, they're going to play Sam Houston State here. Uh, I like a little Conference USA, um, and uh, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm too big on, on what MTSU has been doing, especially in the pass offense, that it's going to translate over. Uh, let me pull up where the exact line is on this. Hold on, Middle. Yep, here we go. They're on the road at Sam Houston, uh, and, and they are currently a three-point favorite on the road. That's just one of those to me that doesn't make a ton of sense. You look at their last couple of games. Sure, they beat uh, UTEP and FIU at home, but they've looked absolutely abysmal uh, on the road. They've looked bad in a lot of situations. And where they've improved has been the passing uh, offense. They're 84th in EPA per pass moving up to that. But Sam Houston State is 44th in EPA per pass on defense there. So I don't think they match up well. I like the home, home dog with the points here. Sam Houston State, a lot more of a rah-rah, uh, something to play for kind of uh, home uh, win mentality here at the end. This one just didn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm going to go ahead and take Sam Houston State to cover as a dog. They've been good to me before this season. They've been getting better uh, over the course of the season. And their past defense matches up really, really well with what Middleton or what Middle Tennessee State has gotten better at over the course of the season. We've also seen on offense, Sam Houston State can whip out some very confusing and very frustrating plays. Middle Tennessee's pass defense is 95th in EPA per play. We could see some explosive from Shoemaker and the boys. He's, his PFF grade has been getting better the last couple of weeks as well. So give me the cats to cover three and a half as a favorite. That's minus or as a dog, excuse me, that's minus 108 at FanDuel. I, I like that. And you, I think I might have botched. 
I botched our sheet. It's minus 112. That's on me. You can also get it at minus 110 at Caesars. How do I know that live? I'm using a non-comparison tool like betstamp.app. That's my mistake, not Jacob's, not yours. My mistake. Sam Houston State, a three-and-a-half-point dog at minus 110. And, Parker, I need to ask you. You're not going to be surprised I'm asking you this. You don't think Sam Houston State should be an underdog. So if I were to say to you the money line is plus 152, you would oh, be inclined. Okay. Producer, okay. producer Jacob, where, where, where art thou? Can we, uh, let's lock that in on air. That's great. I'll do that. You're going to do let's a separate, what, uh, call it a half unit. Let's do a half. Let's do a full unit on the points. Let's do a half unit on Sam Houston state money line. F it. We'll do it live. I love it when we improvise like that. So let's do one more piece of improvisation because we had one comment asking about a game that kicks off in what, two hours, two and a half hours? Bowling Green, Western Michigan. Bowling Green is a two and a half point road favorite. And Parker, I know you, your numbers uh, lean with the Falcons. And my only hesitation there has been Lance Taylor has not let his team quit this season. It's been very impressive in that respect. Western Michigan, I was most impressed when they beat Central Michigan. And in that rivalry game that they had no business, it seemed on paper. So I, I understand your numbers, but I worry a little bit just based on what Lance Taylor has done this season. Yeah. I, I just am not interested in betting against the home team in the Mac anymore. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do we, do we have weather for what it's going to look like at Western Michigan tonight? Um, I think that would be something I'm interested in while maybe you're pulling that up. I can talk about this very briefly. This is offense 109 versus defense 118. That's Bowling Green versus Western Michigan. But then uh, Bowling Green's uh, defense is 63rd, which for a max school is very, very good. And again, these numbers are weighted for recency throughout the season. So, uh, you know, if you think Western Michigan's offense could put up a show here, it's not like Bowling Green's uh, offense is going to be able to keep up very much. One thing that really stands out, maybe the biggest, two biggest discrepancies here in this game, uh, just because we've got a minute and I like going into some of these games. Bowling Green, huge field position advantage on offense. They're fourth in the nation in average starting field position on offense, 32.7 yard line starting. Western Michigan, 105th in starting third field position allowed. 40 degrees and clear. Okay, so maybe no weird action tonight uh, with the weather. 40 degrees and clear is the weather report from weatherman Douglas. You can see these numbers um, all over the place. You can get plus 2.5 at even money for Western Michigan, minus 2.5, minus 110 for Bowling Green there. Um, yeah, I, I, so the field position advantage, very, very huge. The other one that matters a whole lot, I think. Western Michigan's been slightly better on early downs. They're 66th in early downs EPA. Bowling Green is 21st in early downs EPA allowed. So really, really good at getting their opponent behind the sticks. We'll see if Western Michigan kind of avoid those disaster scenarios because they're 114th on third and fourth down. So uh, all my numbers are saying Bowling Green. I don't like betting against um Mac, uh, Mac teams at home. I don't 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 like taking against them though. I I I agree with you. I like it. I appreciate Howdy jumping in the comments telling me I didn't mess up our sheet beforehand. FanDuel odds moved as we got to that pick. Maybe they knew where we were going. Appreciate the cover story, Howdy. I'm gonna continue to own it just to if I'm thankful for Parker's humility, I also have to just never blame him. <laughs> These things go hand in hand. I think that should about do it for us, Parker. I should recap my picks, shouldn't I? Yeah, I think I think we're good here. Appreciate you guys being in the comments and uh, happy to talk a little match in there at the end. But we are about that time. Douglas, who you rolling with this week on our last regular season? Never punt, never parlay of 2023. 
In the Commonwealth Cup, I'm taking Louisville by a touchdown. Both aspects of motivation in this game lean into my preference there. I'm taking Clemson in a revenge spot, focused by its defensive line. Clemson by a touchdown at South Carolina. And in a number that should never have been this small, will confuse me until the game obviously goes against me, taking Louisiana Lafayette by 12 against Louisiana Monroe in the yet-to-be-named rivalry. I like it. I have a couple of unders. I'm going to go Baylor, West Virginia, under 56, minus 111 at Bet Rivers. Uh, Auburn and Alabama, under 49, minus 110. That's at Bet MGM. I'm going to take Sam Houston State for a full unit, plus three and a half, hosting Middle Tennessee State. Uh, that's minus 108 at FanDuel. And we're going to go a half unit on the money line, plus 155. Live your lives. Bet Rivers always giving me the funniest odds there. I'll this take is it. why you and, shop. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's 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 what shopping can do for you. So we'll add that. We'll add that play, that improv live on air. I like that one a lot too. Um, Douglas, this has been Never Punt, Never Parlay. I'm Parker Fleming. Follow me on Twitter at Stats of War. That's Douglas Farmer. You can find him at D underscore Farmer. We'll be back again next Tuesday to preview championship week, preview Army, Navy, talk a little ball. Uh, until then, be well. We'll see you next time. 